Hey guys, before we start today's show, I want to again thank our sponsor for today's episode and friends over at Fruit of the Bean Coffee for offering everyone the perfect pick-me-up through this difficult time. Go check out Fruit of the Bean, where right now they're offering all of their coffee at 20% off to help everyone out during this unprecedented time in our country's history. This coffee is not roasted until after you purchase it, so you know you're getting a high-quality product. It gets the common denominator's seal of approval. Additionally, Fruit of the Bean always gives back 10% of their net proceeds to help orphans and those affected by human trafficking. So in this time of doom and gloom, let's try to do a little good in the world and buy some coffee from Fruit of the Bean. Go check them out at fruitofthebean.com. Welcome to the Common Denominators Podcast. This is your host for episode number 30, uh, Ryan, joined as usual by Adam, Kyle, and Lance. And I, I want to go ahead and acknowledge we are uh, safely sh- social distancing from Skype for the second episode in a row. It's also a, a way of saying uh, we apologize for uh, any uh, future technical difficulties. So, Adam, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, being our editor, how has it been pulling uh, three non-technical guys together for Skype and then editing uh, the content? Uh, much like a kindergarten teacher, I would say it's you know it's a labor of love. I mean, it, it can be fun <laughs> at times. It can be really difficult at times. But you guys are doing pretty well. Well, I've noticed the level of putting your hands over your face and making the uh, <laughs> scoffing noises has, has increased a little bit. But I haven't thrown my headphones today, so no. Well, Editor of the year, we, we appreciate all that you do for us. Mm-hmm. So I know we've got uh, a lot of new listeners recently, so we wanted to just take a quick opportunity to go back and answer a question that I don't know that any of us have really been able to answer well in the past, but I'm going to give it a try, and you guys can fill in the gaps. And the question is, what exactly are the common denominators, and what do we try to do? So I'm going to give it my best shot, guys. We are... Uh, Four middle-aged guys uh, between the ages of 35-ish and early 40s. We're dads. We are husbands. And uh, we kind of come at things from that perspective. Sometimes we talk about serious things like COVID-19 or infertility or sickness. Uh, Other times we uh, take a lighthearted approach to just things that are going on in our life. And I would say sometimes we even uh, move into the juvenile range, uh, at least juvenile for for grown men. Adam always loves it when we go there. <laughs> Is that a fair summary? I guess I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. And I would add that the beauty of this thing is we're pretty much four completely different personalities that come at things from different angles. So mm-hmm. that helps add some spice. We've to all it. got our strengths for sure. In the end, we're just wanting to have fun and uh, bring people together and talk about things that uh, all of us have in common. And we try to be somewhat topical in, in the discussions that we have. A lot of episodes are going to be based around the time of year or the season that's going on, or it may just be what's going on in the world. Uh, but you're, you're probably going to hear a lot of different things. We don't stick to one specific topic or one, one area. So who's, who submitted that question? Was that our old friend Dixie out in, uh, was it Portland, Tennessee? Oh, no, Dixie. We haven't heard from her in a while. I hope, is that, I hope she's doing is that okay. submitted that, that question? <laughs> she is getting, she's always getting the good questions in. Uh, but, but seriously, if, you know, guys, if that sounds like something that, you know, you're interested in, you know, just give us a follow. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at CommonPod. 
we're a pretty good follow. You know, we put out a lot of a lot of good content, some contests, some polls. Always putting out some kind of funny stuff. So give us a follow. You won't regret it. And be sure to uh, subscribe, of course, so you don't miss any episodes. You can also check us out on our website, which is commonpod.com. We've got bios on there, pictures of us. You can buy a t-shirt if you want to, and you can check out all of our episodes on there as well. So really no excuse for you not to listen to every one of our episodes, uh, multiple platforms. And it's furry. I mean, can you make furry? All right, so we got a great episode today, but before we get into it, got to set the record here for historically speaking. So as we record this, we're about starting the fifth week, I believe, of quarantine. It's been interesting, to say the least. I don't know how to sum that up in a, in a short time, but I wanted to ask you guys a question. If the quarantine was lifted right now, what's the first place or thing that you would want to go do? And it's something reasonable, something that you would do like in your town or, or somewhere close that you would possibly do on a normal day. I would go to a Mexican restaurant. Boy, would that. you ever think you'd miss tacos like you no. do now? <laughs> no, Ooh. chips and salsa coming straight at you. I mean, we take out probably two or three times a week, but it's just not the same. You know, I, I, it's not the same. Yeah, we agree. picked it's up food last night and, you know, you get home and you transfer and it's all these plastic containers and it's just not the same. Man, I could just use a really good pizza and a beer right now from your local pizza and slash brewery. That sounds really good about right now. Just sit down at a bar, have a nice cold beer and eat some pizza, which mm-hmm. we usually do together quite often. And I'm really missing that. I just want to take the kids to like a nice big park or a playground. It's a shame that even the parks had to close. I mean, there's like a greenway that we've been able to take them to. But I think just something fun for the kids to do is what what I would want to do first. You're a good, good father, Lamp. Yeah, way to make me look bad. I was wanting a beer and a yeah. pizza. You're dragging your family along. Selfish Lance. Lance, yeah. is, Lance is like, as long as my kids are there, that's all I want. I'm glad I'm last. I learned from Lance. I, I would like to take my children, of course. To uh, a bar. To, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'd like to go to a sporting event, and I'm not going to be greedy. I will take any sporting event right yeah. now. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as there's a crowd that I can feel safe in. It'd be nice to go to a Predators game. Shout out for Ryan, because I, I think I saw something on social media last night about how you and your wife, during the course of the quarantine, have not watched any shows and you've just been actually spending quality time with one another and putting puzzles together and whatnot. Is that true? It is true, Lance. I don't know that it was intentional, but we were. We did notice last night that we've really. I think we've watched one one-hour show in the last maybe three weeks. So obviously, you've not watched Tiger King. We watched maybe fifteen minutes of it. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, we'll a commentator nominators review on that one. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's an episode to itself. <laughs> Well, good for you, Ryan. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've also got a room renovation going on and homeschooling two kids and a job and, you know, everything else. So This far in, by the way, I was going to ask, which a couple of you guys are used to it, but I know, Adam, you're not. How has the third, maybe fourth week of working at home, what's what's that been like? I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think I mentioned the last episode, we're not really a work from home type company, but um, I got a feeling that's going to change after this. We've, We've not only exhibited that we can do it but we've gotten used to it and i like it a lot actually i mean i was in conversation with my dad he's same thing he's never been a work from home job and he's worked from home for the past four weeks and we had the conversation i feel like that's something a lot of companies are going to do and change the way they do business mm-hmm. just for you just think about the operating expenditures of having a building for people to sit in and do what they can do at home so i think that's going to change a lot of businesses 
Well, yeah. plus when you get the infrastructure too, that's kind of the thing too. Like the first week, several of our people ran out and bought monitors and bought, you know, keyboards and all kinds of stuff. They gra- we, we had to buy new laptops for certain people. So now that you've got all that together, it's like no reason not to use it. I think that's one of many things that when we look back on this, that the world will never be the same again. Oh, for sure. It's, it's been shifted sure, yeah. in, in a lot of little ways that, that we'll come to realize over the years. But speaking of the coronavirus, it seems to be uh, one of the uh, only topics that we can talk about these days. And in this episode, it's going to go right along with that theme. We've got a, a special guest joining us uh, for this episode, Taylor Baruby. Uh, she's a nurse. Uh, she also has contracted the coronavirus and has recovered from the coronavirus. So we're excited to get her story, hear what it was like uh, before, during, and after her recovery. You guys ready to do it? Let's Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, Taylor's on the phone with us. Taylor, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and where you're from. Hi, everyone. So nice to be on the show. Very excited to have the opportunity to talk about my experience and be talking with y'all today. I'm originally from Maine. I'm a nurse. I have been a nurse for four years now. I did two years of nursing in Maine, lived there my entire life, will eventually get back there. But I came to Nashville almost two years ago just for something a little different, new experience, new work. Um, love country music, of course. So here I am just trying something new, loving it and doing a little bit of traveling. So based on what I know about Maine, I've watched Maine cabin masters. So I, everybody from Maine has lived in some sort of small cabin and eat lobster for every meal. Do I pretty much have that right? That is 100% right. <laughs> what is Maine like? Maine is spectacular. It is my favorite because the, each season is just so specific, so special, so different. Winters are getting longer and a little bit harder, but as long as you're willing to get out there, it's so great. Well, hey, wait till you get old as Ryan. Those winters get even worse. I was just getting ready to... (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. Sorry about that. Uh, Taylor, I was just going to ask, could we hire you to be uh, a tour guide for our next Common Denominators corporate retreat? Maybe a trip to Maine? (laughs) That's right. We'll go to Maine. start putting something together, and we will absolutely make a trip of it. It would be wonderful. Have you guys ever been deep sea fishing? Oh, yeah. we've. I've been out in the Gulf doing it. So, yeah, I love to get out and fish. I went when I was in fifth grade and the entire boat threw up, myself included. <laughs> so that, was the, that was my first and last time going deep sea fishing. You need to yeah, start taking yeah, your adrenaline now. that would be a little yeah. traumatizing in fifth grade. Yeah. So, Taylor, you mentioned that you came to Nashville. Any particular reason why you picked Nashville? Or how did you end up in Nashville? Honestly, there was no specific reason. I just, I had, other than my family and always living in Maine, I just thought, what better time? I don't have any children. I'm not married. What better time to just get out, experience a different culture, try and live in the city. Um, I had a couple of different options and had applied to a couple of different jobs. But when it came down to it, I was really excited to come to Nashville um, and just thought, hey, let's just go. Let's see a change. And I did it. All right, Taylor, I got, I got to take you back. I mean, we've already... Uh, know that we're going to get into your story of, of having COVID-19, but take us back to like the beginning when you first started hearing about COVID. Uh, you were, I'm sure you were in the hospital. Y'all were getting updates. Uh, you know, it was in China. Just kind of take, if you can, or just take us back to that time and what you were thinking about COVID at the time before it even really uh, started hitting the, the States. It was very interesting because we didn't have too much information to go off of or very many studies. It was very new. 
Um, in the pediatric population, we deal with a number of different strains of coronavirus. So when we initially started hearing about it as nurses, myself and coworkers as well, we just kind of thought there's a new strain of coronavirus. We see it all the time. My initial thought process was that respiratory season would just be a little bit extended and our census at the hospital was just going to increase um, and it was just going to further our respiratory season overall. Obviously, a lot has changed, and it's affecting not really the pediatric population at this time, kind of everyone else. I guess it was kind of a gradual climb of, of your discussions at work and how to cope with it at work if it comes here. So that's kind of what my understanding, what you said is, it was just a lot of conversations and, and planning for it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Just lots of conversations, lots of preparing for it. It was more mentally preparing, like what if it comes to us, what will be our thought process, how will we deal with it. But as a nurse personally, I just try to take, be as positive as I can and take things day by day. And my thought process was, you know, as people are coming down with it and coming here to us with it, then we are here and it's our duty and we are going to take care of them and give them the best possible care that we can. From what I'm hearing you say, you've got very little, if any, concern about actually contracting COVID-19 and even if you did you weren't probably extremely concerned about what it might do to you? For me personally I was not concerned about getting it. I think that being a nurse and working inpatient in the medical field we expose ourselves to a lot of different viruses and infections. I also think that that helps build our immunity to fight off infections that we may get. Personally for myself I was not worried. I was worried for the pediatric population. I was worried for my grandparents and the elderly population and also the immunocompromised. So for myself personally, I was not overly concerned. And I also, like I said, try to take things day by day, try to be as positive as possible. And in all actuality, stressing and anxiety can weaken your immune system. So I try to avoid those two things. Oh, well, that explains why I get sick. Too much stress. <laughs> that probably explains why. <laughs> so kind of jump forward. You kind of have your mindset on how to deal with it at work. What's the kind of the timeline to, to getting to the point where you're thinking maybe you've, you're sick? You know, what, what are you initially thinking when you start what ends up being COVID-19? Kind of take us to the very first part of that. What's the kind of the timeline and when did you first start to worry that you might be coming down with something? Yeah, um, I was feeling great all along, and then it was Monday the 23rd. I was actually home. I had had a stretch off from work that week, and um, I started to have a mild cough, but in my head I thought that was related to allergies. I'm one of those lucky people who has terrible allergies and kids the season where allergies are starting, and sometimes I develop a dry cough with that. Later that day on Monday, I got a headache. And um, I started to also get some neck and shoulder pain down into my back. So that was a little interesting. I was a little tired, um, but wasn't thinking too much of it at that time. So, you know, just hydrating and slept it off. I woke up Tuesday, was not feeling terrible, but not quite myself. And Tuesday afternoon, I lost all sense of taste and smell, which was new. That's never happened to me before. Let me stop you there. How in the yeah. world is it like losing your sense of smell and taste? I mean, had that really come out at this point that that was a symptom? No. So it was actually really interesting. So first of all, it is absolutely the most miserable thing. I would not wish it on anyone. There is nothing worse than putting food in your mouth and not being able to smell it or taste it, especially I am 
I love to eat. I love to go out to eat. I love to eat all the time. And so this has been absolutely miserable for me. But things could be so much worse. And initially, that was not one of the side effects. So I didn't really think much of it. But that day, I thought, well, this is really weird. I should do a little bit of research. And it was really funny because I was talking in a group chat to some of my college friends. And one of my friends ended up sending me a link. And she was like, Taylor, 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 you need to go get checked. You need to look at this link. People are talking about their symptoms. And I looked at the video and it was someone around my age talking about just being diagnosed and they had no sense of taste or smell. And so when I looked up some credible sources online, I was like, wow, in the last 48 hours, people have started to say that they tested positive and this was their first symptom. So we had a number to call and explain our symptoms of talking to a doctor and then they would tell us whether or not to go get swabbed. He had recommended that I should get swabbed. So I went and I was the last person into a walk-in clinic that night. It was late in the evening and I told them that my symptoms, that one of the doctors from the hospital recommended I get swabbed. They swabbed me and that was that. So that was your first contact. You contact this number. They recommend that you go and get tested. At this point, had your symptoms worsened and besides the obvious loss of taste, and was there anything else that was kind of in line with uh, that you might have not expected or something else that kind of told you, hey, this this might be COVID-19? Yeah, so it was kind of the taste. Like, like I said, I had the headache and kind of the initial start of body aches and a mild cough. Wasn't really thinking too much about it until um, my sense of taste and smell went. And that was like the biggest, this is not normal, this does not seem right sign for me that I said, I think I need to go get tested. I have a few more days before I need to be back to work. And my biggest fear was not necessarily me being sick, but bringing a sickness a sickness back to work, back to my tiny patients, co-workers. So my biggest thought was I need to go get tested. I need to know for sure so I can prevent other people from getting sick. So when you got tested, I'm curious about the testing process. When you say you got swabbed, this isn't like a strep throat swab. This is like they go up your nose and like almost towards your brain, brain. right? Is that, is that yes, what they did? that is how people describe it. Um, I actually, when I got tested, I went into the doctor's office and they went over 150 questions with me. We talked about my symptoms. They checked my vitals. My vitals were all stable. I never suffered from a temperature, but my temperature, the highest it got was 99.5, which is higher than my baseline. And when it came to the swab, they swabbed my nose and it wasn't painful, but it was certainly uncomfortable. The worst part was for me was when they removed the swab it left a burning sensation for probably three to four minutes, which was quite uncomfortable. So after they did all that, how long did it take to actually get like the official results that you had COVID-19? So I got swabbed Tuesday evening around 7.30 p.m. And I found out Wednesday around 2 p.m. I was actually fortunate enough to tell them that I was a healthcare provider and I asked them if they were able to expedite it, and they said that was 100% okay, and they did that for me. So I found out in less than 24 hours, thankfully. Did you have a lot of anxiety waiting that 24 hours, or kind of what was going through your mind while you're waiting to get that test result? Um, I come home that evening, and I just felt as though since I was swabbed and there was a possibility that I had it, 
that I would just self-isolate and keep my distance from everyone. I do live at home with my boyfriend and his brother actually moved in with us a few months ago and we have a dog as well. So my biggest anxiety while I was home was just, oh my goodness, did I infect my loved ones? Is there a possibility that I could have somehow passed this on to them and they're going to get really sick? And so um, that was my biggest fear. I wasn't quite sick enough where I was uncomfortable and sleeping all the time and worried about myself yet. But my biggest fear was definitely, is there a potential that I infected the loved ones that I live with? Now, during this process, you're kind of quarantining. Are you feeling about the same, any worse, any better? How are you feeling physically at this point? So Wednesday, my test was confirmed positive. I was feeling okay at that point, still no taste or smell. And I had a mild cough, but my cough did not really interfere or bother me too much. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those three days, I became quite uncomfortable between the headache and the body aches. I was very uncomfortable and routinely taking Tylenol to help with that comfort. I was also very fatigued, so I was sleeping probably 15 to 17 hours out of the day. Going back to your concern about the people that you had been around, I know when you watch uh, news like I do, you hear like the worst case scenarios and the most dramatic ones. Was there a request from like physicians to like give you a list of people so that they can start self quarantining? I mean, walk us through that. Did you have? I'm picturing you with like a uh, a notepad and a pencil, writing down every name of anybody that you came in contact with. So um, I definitely had to contact work and let them know that my results were positive. That being said, I feel very lucky because the few days before. I wasn't working. So um, the last time I had been at work, I'd had no symptoms and wasn't worried about contacting anyone or um, infecting anyone. I did have to give names and those people thankfully are still to this day feeling well, healthy, and no one that I've been around has been sick. No coworkers, no loved ones. I'm very thankful that my boyfriend and his brother who lives with us they have not had a single symptom or felt ill this entire time, which I'm absolutely blessed about. Yeah, that's that's awesome. This is probably a hard question to answer, but can you speculate on where you think you may have gotten it from? That's a funny question. Everyone kind of asked me that. Um, I mean, I work in the healthcare population. There's always a chance that I could have caught it from someone in the hospital who may not have known they had the virus or... Um, we were still, you know, quarantining prior to that as the city requested and only going out for essentials. So my thought process is, did I go to the grocery store one day and touch something and touch my face? Or was I around someone who had sneezed and possibly had it and I was just close and in their proximity and had caught some of their germs? So unfortunately, I have no idea where I got it from. But my thought process is, could have been from the grocery store could have been from work if I was around someone who was sick and wasn't aware that they had had the virus. So you got the virus, you're quarantining like the rest of us, but you're really quarantining. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So thankfully, my bedroom, bathroom, and closet is all connected on one side of the house. So I, for nine days or so, were stayed in that one spot. I think total in those nine days, I got maybe 50 steps in. Um, which is interesting because three weeks before getting sick, I was training for a half marathon and running 10 miles. So it was a huge change in my lifestyle. 
I'm very fortunate that I had family here who was able to take care of me. My boyfriend brought me everything, water, tea, whatever I needed while I stayed in the room. And I had my disinfecting wipes right next to the bed. And I just, whenever I was able to get up, would just wipe things down as much as possible. But my life for those days was sleeping, my book, and Netflix. I'm very fortunate that I have a big family and lots of friends. And everyone was reaching out and FaceTiming and keeping up with how I was feeling and checking in. So they kept me pretty busy checking in all the time. But I'm thankful for that. So I'm kind of curious. I know when you go to a doctor's office, they always have the little chart that has the smiley faces and the frowny faces. How do you feel today? During all this, one, are you just taking like your ibuprofens and over-the-counter stuff to just kind of treat the the symptoms? And two, like I guess on a scale of one to ten, one I'm ready to run my half marathon in 10. I'm ready to start throwing dirt on my grave. How did you feel during all this? What a 1 to 10, Kyle. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the opposite scale. <laughs> I, th- I think 10, somebody's um, throwing dirt 10? for you, isn't it? I definitely didn't get to the point where I thought I was going to my grave, thankfully. I'm very thankful for that. Um, there were those three days where I was so fatigued. I was quite winded, and my headache and body aches were pretty severe. Um, so those, I'd say I was about a six or seven on the scale. Um, thankfully I was taking Tylenol and that was putting me at ease a little bit and allowing me to be somewhat comfortable and be able to get some sleep and rest that I needed. So I could never have gotten up and run a half marathon. That is for sure. Because getting to the shower or walking to my closet to change my clothing, I was winded. That was your marathon. Your marathon was (laughs) making it to the shower. (laughs) Yes, that was my marathon. <laughs> but I definitely did not feel as though I needed to be hospitalized, if that makes sense. It probably winded you un- unzipping that plastic bubble your boyfriend installed around your bed. Yes, very <laughs> much so. <laughs> I was curious how he was. Was he like sliding your food under the door and is, is saying he, good luck? Is he wearing a hazmat suit at this point with an air tank strapped to the he back? He did or? not get to that point, but he definitely acted as if I had Ebola or something. And he definitely <laughs> kept his six feet for sure. So he would make sure I was on the far side of the bed from where the door is so that he could just set my food and drink on the nightstand. He would then shut the door and I would slide over and get it. (laughs) Hey, credit to him for at least being in the same house. I'm not sure I'd be in the same city if my (laughs) wife got it. Adam would be throwing hot pockets through the window. I think I have a good one on my hand, but we'll see. I'm assuming you've had, like, say, the flu before, or you've been pretty sick before. Is this probably the sickest you've ever been? How would you compare? I would say it's probably the sickest I've ever been. I'm very thankful. I exercise frequently, try and eat healthy besides all the ice cream that I'm constantly eating. So usually when I get sick, it's not miserable. This is probably the most miserable I've been. And it was just very new to me that with just the slightest activity, I would get winded or short of breath. So that was just very, very new to me. Usually I'm not as fatigued and winded or I never have been with any other illness. So this is probably the worst illness I have had in comparison to the flu or anything else I've had in the past. Take us a little bit into, I mean, you know, a lot of we'll just say the average Joe out there that's watching the news that is not a nurse would, you know, would be scared to death. I think most people would be scared to death if they got COVID uh, thinking worst case scenario, you come at it from a little bit of a different perspective, obviously being more educated about these types of things than, than the rest of us. But 
I mean, take us into your, your mental state. Are you worried? Are you expecting this to get worse? Or is this kind of like, uh, it's just COVID-19. I, I know enough about these types of things that I, I'll be better in a few days. I think there's a lot of unknown right now. This is a brand new virus. There's not a lot of studies or research out, so there's a lot of unknown. Like I said, for me personally, I wasn't overly worried about it. I got it. I did everything I was supposed to do. Um, But when it comes to my grandparents, my family members, I am extremely worried for them and constantly contacting them and making sure they are isolating, they are quarantining, they are washing their hands and, you know, using Lysol and Clorox to wipe things down and kill germs. Um, I think there's a lot to be worried about and concerned about, but I try not to, when I talk to my family, I try to be as positive as possible because I know that there is so many negative things going on. There's a lot of negative stories. The news is talking about a lot of negative things in order to educate individuals. But from my standpoint, I try to be as positive as possible. I try to, you know, talk to them about positive stories that I've heard of, like mine, where people survive and just be as positive as possible in this difficult time. You said about nine days. Is that correct? How long you were in quarantine? Is that right? Yeah, it was seven. But with okay. uh, my work schedule, I kind of stayed in an extra two days and just extra isolated. <laughs> okay. So once you start feeling better, just kind of take us how, how the end of your quarantine works. Start when you start feeling better and then how, what's the process kind of like of getting back to saying, hey, I'm all clear. Does somebody have to check you out? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So as I started feeling better, my biggest thing while I was home in bed was I really wanted to get rest. But the last two days of it, as I started to feel better, I was really trying to get up and do steps and little exercises in my room in order to really get my lungs working um, and back to where they once were. And also, I am a nurse, so I'm on my feet for 12 to 13 hours out of the day. And I thought, goodness gracious, when I get back to work, I'm never going to be able to make it through a full day. So the last couple of days of my personal quarantine, I was just trying to exercise my lungs and get a couple extra steps in in order to prepare myself for work. As for work, per the um, Tennessee Health Department, I was cleared if I had done seven days of isolation, self-isolation from the first onset of my symptoms. I also had to be 72 hours free of fever with no medication in my system. And I also, before I went back to work, I still to this day have no taste or smell, but I had to be respiratory symptom free. I couldn't be coughing or short of breath or those things when going back to work. And then the last part of it was I have to continue to wear a mask anytime I'm outdoors or at work for 14 additional days. How do people treat you now? Is it kind of like uh, the, the girl with the plague? Do you feel people are Scarlet like... Letter. Yeah. <laughs> people keeping <laughs> yeah, their distance, kind of... Uh, have you even gotten a hug yet, Taylor? That's what we really <laughs> want to know. I have not been hugged yet. It's very sad. Um, especially <laughs> at work, everyone is always hugging and closed and talking. But there's been a lot of new protocols that have changed in regards to trying to keep our distance at work. So I was a little nervous when I first went back. I absolutely love everyone I work with. Southern hospitality... I learned is a real thing when I moved down here. Everyone is just so incredibly nice and bubbly and friendly and hugging and talking constantly. Um, but I was a little nervous while I went back to work that people would be like, she's gross. <laughs> but honestly, when I walked into work, I kept my mask on and I think everyone was more concerned about my story. So probably my first day back to work, I told my story 125 times. 
Um, no one really was concerned with how close they were to me. They just wanted to know what I went through and how I was feeling and what my experience was with it, which made me feel a little bit better than people trying to avoid me and not talking to me. <laughs> Did I hear you correctly that you still haven't gotten your taste and, and smell back? Is that correct? That is correct. We're going on like two and a half weeks. I feel great. I am exercising. I feel back to my normal self. I just still have no taste or smell. And in this very boring time where we're stuck home and my boyfriend and I are doing new recipes and trying new things, I just, I always give him a 100% on his cooking, but now I really have to because I can't even taste it. (laughs) So everything's cardboard, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yes. On the flip side, you have no excuse to eat healthy at this point. You know, I mean, you should just be eating like carrots and broccoli 24-7. And truly, honest to God, I really have been. I've been taking out carrots, (laughs) and that's the only thing I munch on for snacks during the day. (laughs) Glass half full, right? Carrots don't have taste, so you're not missing anything. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. Or you could take the other perspective and eat cheap. You could eat bologna for every meal, and you wouldn't even know the difference. So That's the Binkley so diet, it, right? Things, oh, things yep. could definitely be worse, but I am definitely ready to get my taste back and get back to enjoying my meals. So any idea? Has a doctor anybody told you when to expect that, or does anybody know? Or No, I haven't heard anything about it. I have talked to... One of the doctors, and they said that as the virus works its way out of my body, it will get better, or it may just kind of linger around for a little bit. So there has been no research, no actual determination as to when it's for sure going to come back and what it means. So so technically, you, you are the research. Yeah, technically I am. That's why, I mean... <laughs> I have never had so many people call me from the Tennessee Health Department and CDC and infection control and ask me questions and everything. So it's very interesting just being part of all these studies and trying to help people learn what their symptoms are going to be like for people who eventually get infected, unfortunately. So, Taylor, what are people asking you? I was, I was about to ask you that. Has anybody contacted you? And you alluded to that, obviously. But, I mean, what, what kind of questions are they asking? Are they... Are they probing you? Are they making you fill out a 125-question survey like you did before? What what do they want to know? Yeah, so the biggest thing that they wanted to know was obviously they want a list of my symptoms, and they also wanted kind of like the date as much as I could remember as to when everything started, like which day each symptom started and how long it lasted and whether or not I had a fever. And it's just kind of a lot of those questions so they can see, you know, what symptoms are people having, how long are they lasting, et cetera. So those are pretty much the biggest thing other than who I'm around, which was my boyfriend and his brother. And they did contact them as well. They took their name and numbers and were contacting them and just checking on their symptoms throughout their 14-day quarantine because they were actually quarantined for 14 full days. That's a good way to find out if a relationship's going to be working. <laughs> They're quarantined together for 14 days. I am days. very surprised we haven't ripped <laughs> each other's heads off this far. But we are both alive and together, so things have worked out so far. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Maybe you could call us back and uh, the first time he gives you a hug and tell us about that. <laughs> In six months. Yeah, we're, we're I very... know that experience. <laughs> One more question for me. I don't, Taylor, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you've had time to even – put this in perspective because this is all so new, I mean, to you, uh, you know, to America. But when I take a step back, I think about you, you're not patient zero, but you're pretty dang close when you think about the population of the world. You are someone that was infected with a virus that is part of the biggest pandemic in, in 
you know, modern history. Yeah, especially in Tennessee, you had to be one of the single digits, I'm guessing, in Tennessee, because I don't, I don't think it got big yeah. here until end of the month, right? And not saying it was your lifelong dream to uh, make history in this way, but have you thought about <laughs> it? Have you thought about it from that perspective? I mean, it hasn't, to be honest with you, which is crazy to say, it hasn't really sunk in yet. Everything is just so new. I'm just getting over this virus. It hasn't really sunk in yet for me. Slowly, as I go out and grocery shop, it kind of things then because there's not as much traffic. There's not as many people at the grocery store. Everyone is wearing gloves and masks while they're out um, and not interacting as much and talking like you normally see on a daily basis. So it's just been very interesting. When this virus first was talked about, I thought there was obviously a possibility being in the nursing world and working in healthcare that I would be infected with it but I never really thought I'd get it. So it's definitely interesting. And I think it will be very fun someday to tell that when my children or my grandchildren are learning about the big pandemic, COVID-19, that I'm a survivor. They'll be sitting on your lap uh, listening to the Common Denominators podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 650. (laughs) Are you going to possibly get like a COVID-19 tattoo or something to commemorate this great time in your life? Um, It's possible but my dad might rip off my head if i get a tattoo that says covid19 so um it'd have to be somewhere that he would never know about (laughs) kind of embarrassing while i was sick i was taking pictures each day of just like my day like which day i was sick and the date so that in the future i could kind of frame them and just be like that was me while i was sick with covid19 that's a pretty good idea you should at least get the i survived the covid19 t-shirt all i got was his t-shirt all i got left is his (laughs) t-shirt Yes, absolutely. That is definitely on my list of things to get. (laughs) Well, Taylor, we want to thank you for your time. And I guess leave us with this. Has there been any significant lessons you've learned about, you know, both your professional and and your personal life during all this? And is there anything you'd like to say to people that might have a family member or themselves might be had just come down with this or suffering with this and they're kind of scared to death. Can you just kind of talk to them and give them some encouragement, I guess? I mean, honestly, it's a really interesting time. I don't think anyone ever thought we'd be going through this pandemic right now. I don't think anyone was prepared for it. And I just think, you know, I try to be as positive as possible. I think during this time, staying home, it's sometimes hard on people and people are getting bored and mentally they're kind of going crazy crazy being at home, but I think it can be a huge positive. It doesn't have to be necessarily a negative. I think that it's really important. Families are now home and can spend more time together, which due to work and school and all those things that keep us busy and families busy on a day-to-day basis, we don't always get to have dinner together or make breakfast together. And this is the time where we get to spend time together and get to know each other better. And just do new things. I found myself a few days ago downloading Rosetta Stone and now I'm teaching myself Spanish an hour out of every day. I think it's a time where there's a lot of stressful things going on, but I'm just trying to find the positive in it. I have a lot more time and so don't my relatives to FaceTime and text and things like that. And it's just really nice to be able to catch up with family members and also try new things like a new Spanish or reading new books or anything like that. So I think it's important for everyone just to try and find the positive in this, try something new. And also for those who feel as though they're young and healthy and not going to be infected by this, that may be the case. But if it's at all possible for you to stay inside, you could be saving a life. You know, it's hard to stay inside. Like I said, people are going stir crazy, but 
you could potentially be saving a neighbor or a loved one by not going outside and potentially infecting someone. So it's really important, if not for yourself, for other people in our community to stay in. Excellent advice. Can't say it better than that. Gracias. Yeah. Oh, yes. I don't well, know, we she might not have gotten that far. So I don't, I don't know if she's very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you are in the Rosetta Stone, but that meant thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not that far, so I'm not that good yet. Yeah. Don't quiz me yet. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Well, well, Taylor, we cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story. We really do appreciate it. We're so glad you're recovered and feeling better. And as a person from Maine, we hope you enjoy that lobster as soon as your sense of taste comes back. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being on your podcast. You guys are phenomenal. This has been a wonderful first-time experience. Well, good. We're glad you enjoyed it. And we thank you so much for coming on and stay safe out there. And again, thank you for what you're doing out there for being on the front lines. Yes, absolutely. You guys stay healthy and I'll be praying for you guys and your families through this tough time. Well, we thank you. Thanks, and we'll Taylor. talk to you next time. Appreciate we'll it. Do. Thanks, Taylor. We, again, want to thank everybody for listening, and we just wanted to take a minute. A lot of heavy stuff going on in the world right now. We're hoping these last couple episodes have give you some insight to what's going on in the world. But this past weekend was Easter, of course. You know that, yesterday. And for me, it was probably the strangest Easter I've ever had in my life. It's the first Easter I haven't been at church. I haven't had a family dinner to go to, a big Easter egg hunt to go to. So needless to say, it was a little strange. But you know what? I did get to spend time with my wife and my kids. And I must say that was good for my soul. It did make me realize how blessed I am for what I have under my own roof. But I'm even more blessed that God loves me enough to save me. Romans 6, 10 through 11 says, The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. That pretty much says it all. The creator of everything was willing to send his son to sacrifice himself for me. There's no greater gift than that. So with that, a happy belated Easter to all of you. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next time. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. The denominators are Ryan Smith, Kyle Binkley, Lance Jones, and me, Adam Ray. Thanks to Chet Roberts for providing our music. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CommonPod. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-P-O-D. And if you have a question or a comment for our group, or you'd like to submit an idea for a future podcast, please email us at commondenominators at gmail.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N denominators at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.